We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company. Coming at you, it's Tuesday afternoon, uh, April 18th. I'm joined out here by Wolves beat writer from the Pioneer Press, Jace Frederick. And as we try to kill this excessive amount of time between games one and two, <laughs> Jace, uh, let's talk about what needs to change in game two for the Wolves. Uh, I liked what you wrote uh, after game one and just like the general idea of preparedness. Um, And I think Denver clearly and kind of understandably looked like the more prepared team uh, in game one, given the time that they had. The Wolves have some more time now, but they also didn't look prepared uh, in game one for this. So why, why, why do you think that? And how can that, you know, be a difference in in game two? Yeah. I mean, I think just in general, Cat, you know, going out of his way to say, yeah, like Denver, credit to them. They knew our plays. They knew what we were doing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, when and then, you know, in contrast, we've got Mike Conley saying, like, we need to know their place. Um, you know, like it's that that seems like a very obvious thing of like that is a major advantage. Um, if one team has you scouted that well, the players, not just the coaches. I'm sure the coaches knew the plays for Denver. You know, I'm sure the Wolves <laughs> yeah. coaches knew Denver's plays, too. But like the players having it down, knowing what your guy's going to do, knowing what your guy's trying to do and preventing him from doing that. That's huge. Um, and I think it, that's supposed to be what happens in a playoff series. Um, it, you're supposed to know your opponent that well. And and the team that figures it out earliest, like if you can do it in time for game one, you're at a major advantage. And I don't necessarily I understand that Denver should have been more rested, but I don't necessarily buy into the fact that they had a big advantage in scouting Minnesota because they were off more like both teams knew. Friday night at 11 p.m. Uh, who the opponent was and not before then. Do you really think Denver was sitting there on Thursday practice being like, let's start going over Wolf stuff. I got a good feeling about that one. <laughs> right. No, I, I think the the more reasonable excuse is fatigue. Right. And, they probably had a, here. they probably had a practice. Denver did Saturday. You know, I'm sure. Um, and in Minnesota, obviously, it's a flight day. So I understand there. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's that. But the the general idea of I mean, that's what you do during the regular season. You know, and there is a higher level of prep needed for for a playoff game than than there is too uh, for a, for a regular season game. I, I get why the Wolves looked somewhat lacking energy in that game. I mean, it's still frustrating. It was to an excessive degree, but but yeah, to to, to watch that game and really to to kind of watch it back and it was just like Denver just they seemed to stick to the script more and the wolves were like a second behind the script. Even like really the only thing that was worth rewatching that game was like the first, maybe second quarter. And the wolves are just like a step behind on everything. And that I, to me, that's a product of fatigue and preparedness. And, and it kind of does what, what Mike talked about was, well, you, you presented the question to him in terms of cat and, you know, that's the head of the snake for the wolves. Right. And Denver was very prepared for cat. Was cat were the wolves prepared for the ways that that Denver was going to guard cat or the ways that cat was going to guard Jokic and I think that's where the gap was. Uh, Conley talked about that uh, a little bit after the game. Let's play that clip. Oops, just a second. 
Ken has had his share of postseason struggles. What is the message to him over these next couple of days to make sure he's ready to roll on the game tonight? Um, you know, next couple of days, we got two days, two days to really lock in. And, and I think for him, uh, watch a lot of film, um, areas where he can improve, like they're going to double him you know, when he gets in the post, where he can make plays, how he can make and take easier shots. Uh, not have to rely on, you know, the, the incredible moves he makes and tries to you know, fade, fade away and stuff like that, which he can make. But we got to get him easy buckets, you know, stuff that can, that can uh, give him a little bit more wiggle room, a little more confidence to, to be himself. So I think we'll just, as a group, you know, uh, stay around each other, you know, just keep each other supported, and, and especially him, and you know, keep moving on. So, Jace, what do you think that prep functionally looks like? for the Wolves in these two days they've had off in terms of film watching and what you would imagine they're putting in in practice in terms of maybe specific to to the cat angle of this to, to get him going. Yeah, I mean, I think as much as anything, it's it's watching over that film of game one because like you can look at a lot of Denver film now and game one is the best thing that you have um, and seeing like, hey, Carl, here's what they did to you. Here's how they were lining up against you. Um, and here's what we want you to do against that. Um, and here's our counter. And then if they do this, then that's your counter. You know, it's like, it's, it's very easy a now. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, like it's, it's, it's like a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Like if they do this, like they did on this play, then you got to do this. Um, and then, and everybody else, you've got to be doing this and this, you know, like, I think it's, it can be difficult when you see a look. Um, and even if it's the same look, it's a different personnel who maybe make it more difficult or whatever. It can execute it better. And now you see like, well, that didn't work. Um, here's what we think you should do that will work. Um, and uh, it should be easy um, with two days to go over it to have, like, if you don't have the answers in game two, it's kind of one of those, like, are you going to find the answers in right. my mind? Because it should be pretty simple to say, here's what they did. Here's what we want to do against it. You know, either if you can't execute it or it doesn't work, um, that's when you really start to worry in a series, I think. for Kind of related to that, like, for me, as I'm thinking about things that I think would need to change in, in, that, in game two, I, I think about Gobert and the idea of weaponizing him. I... I talked during the season a lot using actually the Denver matchup as the example, that one game where Kyle guarded Jokic and Rudy um, being in that sort of lurking role as a way to weaponize Gobert. I'm not sure that that is the way to do it in this series. Um, I think probably the best way to weaponize Gobert is right on his best side of the floor, which is defensively, and to just put him in the Jokic matchup. Maybe when Kyle's on the floor with him, you do that thing. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I mean, number one thing on the entering series game plan that I draw a line through is is Kat on Jokic. Yes. Uh, and, and and to be fair, that I, I thought that that was a good idea to try, you know, going into it. Uh, I underestimated. You actually said it to me during the game. I, I stole the idea yesterday. But just the just the general idea of the additional fatigue that Carl has to or energy that he has to expend while guarding Jokic, you know, kind of then offensively, you know, there's, there's less energy to do. We talk about that all the time with Ant, but what your point was is the kind of mental toll that it takes for anyone to be getting beat on offense, which Jokic is going to do to, he's going to do it to Rudy too. He's going to do it to anyone. Um, I thought that that, I thought that was a really good point by you. It's it sunk in in Carl's head. All right, I'm getting beat by Jokic early, and I'm not hitting shots. You can, if you're Chris Finch, you can remove the former there by not putting Cat in in that matchup. Uh, do you feel that that is a, a pivot they should make uh, going forward in game two? I think so. And frankly, like when you kind of brought up the defensive tactics they went with in game one, and he was like, yeah, it worked for a little bit. I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of things that are going to change. To me, that suggested, like, we're not doing that again. Um, I think he probably sees that, too. I'm with you. I still think, yeah, if Rudy and Kyle are out there, like, Kyle should guard Jokic. But I do wonder if they are going to be willing to, like, okay, now we've got this person, now we're going to do this, or if they're going to do one thing. I think you should switch it up, depending on who's out there. I think it's good to mix things up against elite players like Jokic. I think you should take advantage of whatever personnel you have out there. And it'd probably be good for Rudy to not guard Jokic all game when he's on the court, um, to guard him when Cat's out there and not when Kyle's out there. We talked about this all the time with, like, the Rover, Rudy, um, and how, like, oh, you could do that with Cat. And we 
I think we did kind of marginalize like how much better Kyle is defensively than Cat is, yeah. um, and that that becomes pretty apparent when you watch them play. Or yeah, I'm with you. I think you have to scrap it. I think you just have to accept Rudy versus Jokic and know that yeah, nobody's going to be able to match up with Jokic, but you know Rudy's not going to. He's going to do as good of a job as anybody's going to do, frankly, um, and and just live with the results, and, and then you figure out where you want Cat um, and how you want to utilize him then if he's not on Jokic. I I think. In general, again, acknowledging there's no totally right answers. You're looking for a best answer against Jokic. Just from having watched Denver throughout the year, I remember watching them play Utah at the very beginning of the year. It was like, I think game the one. one? <laughs> yeah, I think it was. I think it was game one, and they just didn't bring doubles, and they just said the the bigger weapon here is is his ability to pass, and we're big as Utah was, and and we're gonna. We're going to live with the Jokic post-ups. And and if that's the way he beats us, that's the way he beats us. I think, given the Wolves personnel, similarly big, uh, I, I, I think that's the option. And I think in a one-on-one matchup with no or little help, Rudy Rudy's your best option there. Um, obviously, could, could be wrong about that. But I don't think, as you said with Finch, I, I don't think there's any way Finch looks back at the film and goes, yep, we're running that back. Um, even though the, the, you know, the defense wasn't terrible in the first half. No, the half court defense was okay. Yeah. But it's, it's more to me, it's never looked like, comfortable. I thought the whole time. Though. Yes. Yeah. It's, 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 that's what it is. It's the overall idea of Denver feeling comfortable with how you're matching up against them. And then I think when Denver's comfortable, it's a matter of time until they explode. Right. And whether it's a transition defense or they just start hitting threes like crazy. Um, I, to me, I, I, I think the best, that's the best option is, is Rudy on him and and trying to see if Jokic can, you know, on 10, 12 post-ups really score on Gobert um, or or Anderson <clears throat> if it's out there. Uh, but that's the that's that's my pivot as I, I think about this. What about on the offensive side of the floor? Um, should they per, be pursuing further ways to weaponize Gobert and and how could they do it if so? Well, I mean, I think when he's in the game. <laughs> The problem, like when they put Jokic, they it, it was very interesting that when Jokic guarded Anderson, they put Jokic pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll. You know, and, and Anderson and Conley's two-man game was tremendous. Yep. That was some of the best offense they played all night. I don't know, like, maybe it's where he's at physically or whatnot, but they just don't seem to want to do that against Gobert. Um, with Gobert, with excuse Gobert, me, the Wolves, yeah. yeah and, and that is a blow to Minnesota if they don't feel comfortable doing that because like putting Jokic in a bunch of pick and rolls is what you have to do to attack Denver's defense, especially in the playoffs. Uh, otherwise, you know, you're just kind of letting him roam and he's a smart player, you know? So like if he gets to kind of roam like he did so much off of Gobert, who's just down like in the dunker spot, like then Jokic is going to complicate things because you're not even sure what he's trying to do like he floated so well he was in between so many plays if Minnesota's going to stick with that they've got to go even harder and get all the way to Jokic make him commit and then make the pass to go bear um, I think they caught caught in between too often Cat certainly did uh, but yeah I think you I think I mean I think if you're not putting Jokic in a bunch of pick and rolls you're probably not giving yourself the best chance for offensive success I haven't seen the Wolves do this a single time the the entire season, so this may end up itself rule it out. But just thinking about the skill sets and personnel, I think the play is to set a high screens really high sure. for Ant and with Gobert and just get Ant going downhill. Again, to other matchups, when I've watched Denver, um, I think the team that exploited Denver the most in, in games that I watched was Portland with Damian Lillard, and that's just what they did. Nurkic would come up and set it really high, and now Dame's got a head of steam going downhill, or, you know, Jokic is going to be in that drop. Dame could come for the pull-up there. I think Ant can do that too, but really, it's just a, they got to get Ant going downhill. And It's a few games now where he's just not been that player. He, he just hasn't Except been. Except for in transition, and that's, but outside of that, he's not been that player. You got to find ways to to activate him and and related related to Gobert. If if it's when Gobert's on the floor, I don't know what it is other than pick and roll because, for one reason or another, Ant turns off his aggression for for trying to get downhill when or when Gobert is just chilling in the dunker spot there. Um, that is Ant's offense is always or has pretty much always been better, at least to the eye test when. 
Gobert is off the floor, but there's going to be, you know, they're going to share the floor for like 18 minutes. And, and that's even with a stagger. Like, what can you do in that time so Gobert does not feel like he's getting in the way of the offense? Like, the best offense is not going to come when Gobert's on the floor. But how can it how can it be okay? And to me, it's just like, particularly given the matchup in Jokic and the lack of rim protection that they have in general, it's just got to be, it's got to be pick and roll. Maybe not just with Ant, you know, with, with Conley too. Maybe some four or five pick and roll with with Cat, but they did try some of that. Denver just switched it a lot. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, I mean, and whenever that's happening, that's just about being quicker, more decisive, those sort of things. But Gobert is going to play, um, so you need to you need to find ways to to be able to to weaponize him and get something going offensively uh, in those minutes. So those are that's the two things I'm thinking uh, in terms of Rudy specifically is put him on Jokic. On defense and attack Jokic on offense uh, in in pick and roll. That that I I don't really I don't really know uh, what else to do there. But I do want to talk about Ant. Let's grab our first break because uh, he also needs to make a big change in game two. Today's show is brought to you by Land and Lore, and the people at Land and Lore wanted me to tell you that they get tired, super tired, tired of always looking like. But life hits hard. They're dads with kids that don't sleep and with wives that are constantly mad at them for things they didn't realize they did. Plus, maybe they stayed up all night rewatching last year's play-in game versus the Clippers because it's thus far the highlight of their adult lives. But what's worse than feeling like is looking like it. Because when you look like everyone can see it, and no matter how much coffee or Celsius they inhale, they still walk into work looking like cave dwellers. That's why Land and Lore, they created the energy drink for your face. So no matter how you feel, you don't have to look like it. What's even better, because they love the Timberwolves, is they're giving fans 20% off the brand. Just go to Amazon.com and search for Land and Lore Face Products and use promo code 20AntMan to get 20% off. Land and Lore, proven to help you look awake no matter how long of a bender you've been on. Today's show is brought to you by Falling Knife Brewing Company, and I wanted to let you know that Falling Knife will be staying open late on Wednesday night to show the Wolves game to another one of their Wolves watch parties. The weather is... Not going to be great on Wednesday, so they're not going to get the TV truck out there. I know a lot of you have been going and watching the game there, watching out on the patio uh, in their parking lot. Going to skip that for Wednesday's game. That'll be back uh, on Friday for game three. But still, uh, for Wednesday, know that they will be open late showing the game and that there are still the two projector screens in the tap room there. They'll obviously have the sound on. And I just think... uh, this is a game that you're going to want to watch uh, with other people to, you know, as I always say, celebrate or commiserate. So know the Falling Knife is an option on Wednesday night for watching game two. That's Falling Knife Brewing Company in Northeast Minneapolis. All right, we're back with Jace Frederick. Uh, Jace, in general, it's been a, it's been a tough month for, for Ant. And there's, there's all this, you know, back into the regular season confusion about how much the ankle's playing in, the illness, now the shoulder. All that, but they Ant is playing. They need more from Ant. They need it to look more like the Memphis series did did last season. Outside of the the Gobert pick and roll stuff we were talking about, what is it going to take for Ant's offensive aptitude and effectiveness to to change in game two? I, mean, I just think it's going to take aggression, right? And I don't know if it's the shoulder that's holding him back from that or if he's a little unsure of himself or what, but when he's not in transition, when he's in the half-court sets, like he's not going quick, he's not being aggressive, um, It's he's he's settling a lot. Like it, Honestly, when it looks like he maybe is going to take somebody to the rim, it's just a step-back 20-footer uh, too often. Like it doesn't look like the same explosive version of himself, but in transition, he's still finishing and whatnot, so I think he just has to trust himself, trust that that's what he's supposed to do out on the court. Chris Finch said it himself, like, we need him to turn more corners, like, that creates their best offense, you know, like, if, if Ann has a possibility to turn the corner and break down the defense, like, yeah, you can try to finish it yourself, you can kick it out to others, whatever it is, like, you have to be, like, when, when they talk about playing with more force, it usually, that usually falls upon Ant's shoulders, you know, like, he is kind of the driver of force, like, he's the guy who does things quick, decisively, aggressively, um, and when, so when he's kind of just floating on offense, or not even necessarily floating, but when he gets the ball, just not looking to really impose his will on the game, like, they're worse for it. I don't think there's any question about it, especially against a good team. Yeah, and and aggression related to force is getting downhill all the way to the yes. rim. It, it it and it's not that he can't take a pull up here and there or even a mid-ranger here and there, but the main diet 
of Ant's offense has to be going down downhill to the rim all the way there. And it's why I think it might be some sort of injury or fatigue or whatever it might be is he normally does that when the opponent doesn't have a big rim protector there. The times he doesn't do it is, you know, Jared Allen's there, Porzingis is there, whatever. And and there's an element of, I don't know, fear is the right word, but just being like, it's going to be harder for me to finish here at this time. The Denver matchup doesn't present that. Like, you should want to put pressure on Jokic. You should yeah. want to do that. You, and you'll probably score. Right. Or you'll get him in foul trouble. Right. Like the, He's those... not looking to super hyper-contend the shot at the rim. Like He's just kind of looking to affect it in any little way possible. I even saw that in a couple of Ant drives. Like One time Ant missed the rim off the backboard. Like mm. Jokic was there, but Jokic wasn't trying to block the shot. He's just kind right. of like, I'm just here to make Test. it. I'm here to make it. 5% harder, you know, and Ant, I think, like, anticipated something that wasn't really there, and he missed, and yeah, you if you go aggressively with purpose, with the intention to score, to make the shot um, against Jokic, like, I think you'll have a lot of success there. Is is that, like, on Conley in, in ways, too? Because we're, we're not, it isn't the point Ant show where we saw that him, you know, attacking downhill on his kind of own volition more frequently. I mean, as great as, as Mike has been, um, you know, the past few months has been the ball out of Ant's hands more more often. I mean, that's going to be the case again. Conley's going to initiate offense. Anderson's going to initiate offense. But I, I think at least, you know, Conley needs to be intentional about initiating offense, playing some chess, like seeing two moves ahead where like, if I go this way, that's going to lead to a pass here that is going to lead Ant to be on the opposite side of the floor where he can turn a corner. Like like Finch said, I, I think I think a lot of it starts with how you start the possession and the ball starts possession start with the ball in in Mike Conley's hands. Yeah, um, it's tough for me to like diagram in my head, uh, but I, in general, like I think so much of it is come down and just move the ball, just get off the ball. Like, yeah. and then it will find I mean, that's, that's pretty much what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like you said, it's not necessarily passing to ant. It's passing. It's starting a swing. That's going to lead to another swing that ant catches in the corner and hopefully is ready to attack off, you know, off the catch, like simple stuff like that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I don't think that high pick and roll is probably going to happen because as you mentioned, they never do it, but you know, like you can put fresh, you could put ant in advantageous positions through ways that they have all season, which is just move the ball, move the ball. And now ants either taking an open catch and shoot three, or he's attacking off the catch. And with, with no rim protector ant off the catch going to the rim should be easy money. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. I mean, just, just more movement in general. I'm just, just play better offense than they did. I do think like it has gotten a little bit. It to me, the offense felt a little cat centric in that game. That's where um, I was just going to go with yeah. it. Yeah, it's like it's when we're when we're talking about starting the possession with ball movement. It's not just running that little pistol action and then having cat just immediately roll into the post like that. It isn't a bad action for call to score in. Like he can do that and score effectively. You are just signing up for a quote-unquote sticky possession there like that that's the nature of of all post-ups so I guess yeah I I don't have a perfect diagram in my head of it either but getting I mean you want to have the force north south to the rim right but also having the ball touch multiple sides of the floor before you you start getting downhill um yeah I just I don't think it's a heavy Carl post-up wait for the double and pick it apart series. I mean, that, and to Carl's credit, that has been good offense for them for the past, you know, game one was standing for the past like seven games or whatever that he, that he's been playing well. I just, it, it doesn't strike me that this is the series where you really, really go to that. I think it leads to stagnancy for sure because, you know, Denver wasn't like super aggressive in their doubles. Um, So I don't think it was like the obvious get out of it. Um, Like I said, that's another case where Jokic would kind of float and he was kind of there, but it's not an, obvious double that leaves somebody wide open you know where there's like an easy pass to make out of it i do think it was more of like a carl had to score and didn't score as much out of it and then it's just everybody else just kind of standing and watching also like how do you feel about cat at the top of the floor in this matchup like i think aaron gordon jeff green like those are pretty good matchups um and if and if rudy's in the dunker spot Jokic is there for the help and denver did a good job kind of coming in at the elbows like they kind of played it the way that Memphis played it last year, where everybody's way really in on the gaps and kind of taking them out of that. So I guess I don't know where you want Cat's offense to come within the flow. Um, or and maybe it has to come with, within the flow. It has to end up being like open jumpers as the ball goes around to him or, or dribble handoffs or whatever the case may be. But I don't know if it's going to be just the 
get out of Cat's way and he'll score 30 points. I, yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Because it, if it's not the post, then the next place you think about is, all right, he's the delay up at the top. Um, and late transition is always an option. You of, know, of course. You know, but we're, we're talking about more when you're stuck in the half, the half court. I mean, the times the offense looked the best in the half court in, in game one was in that first quarter. Once Gobert subbed out of the game, Anderson comes in for him. And Conley and Anderson ran pick and roll repeatedly in Carl's space to the corner. Mm-hmm. I think this is a space Carl to the corner series. And and I think it, particularly it, at those times, because it was weird. It was like the end of the first quarter, and they hit that like three or four possessions in a row. And now Conley's been in for nine minutes, yeah, and yeah. he had to sub out for, for J-Mac. But I think if, that, if you ran that group for a longer period of time, they stop guarding the Conley and the Conley Anderson pick and roll with two. They start bringing help, and now you're swinging it, and you have Carl in the corner for threes. I mean, it's never been a huge part of Cat's game to just be a, a corner shooter, but in the half court, that might be the the best spot for them because this because this Denver team is a relatively poor pick and roll team. I think you've got to if you don't feel comfortable running pick and roll at a high volume with Conley and Gobert or Ant and Gobert, then you got to run it as much as you possibly can with Conley and Anderson. And, and I think that opens up, I think that's what opens up for cat outside of the transition opportunities, stuff like that. There's going to be a million broken plays like crash from the corner, Carl, get, get some offensive rebounds and in, in that sort of way and transition defense, whatever is a, is a factor there too. But yeah, it, it's, it's not that Carl needs to, to me, it's not that Carl needs to be like a, all of a sudden become like a third or fourth option. It's that the offense just probably needs to be a little bit more egalitarian. Like I want to see when it's the third quarter and like all the starters have like between 11 and 16 points like that. That seems like the, the way offensively that they're in this game. And you just have, you know, you just have others, you know, the touring princes making three point shots like that, that sort of thing. It's, I don't know. It just doesn't strike me as a, Ant or Cat get 35 game is your best option. Maybe they do because they, they have a really good shooting performance, but yeah. I don't know if that's the thing I would aim at. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And, and anybody listening who's like, well, what about Conley Cat pick and rolls? Like, Denver made it very clear in that game that there will be no center guarding Cat. Yeah. It, like, it was it was in the fourth quarter. DeAndre Jordan was on the court. Cat was the only big on the court. And they put DeAndre Jordan on Austin, like, Rivers. Austin Rivers. Yep. And uh, yeah, they were like, he can guard anybody else. We don't care. Um, it's not going to be Cat because they've seen it enough. Like Cat mm-hmm. against the slow center, even if you, even like Jokic, Cat would eat against Jokic. You know, Cat would eat against DeAndre Jordan. They have ruled that out. Um, and wisely so. Uh, that's what a smart team would do is never cover Cat with the center. They're just too slow. Um, and they're not comfortable enough, like getting up on him on the perimeter. And if they do, they'll get beat. Uh, the other thing, like, could you just more Conley Kyle pick and rolls because, like, it was so beautiful. Like, <laughs> I mean, I just like the play where they ran one, they kind of got to a spot, and then they're like, nope. And it was just kick it. Kyle kicked it right back out to Conley, and they right did again. it again. Yep. And it was just back to back, same action. But when you make a team mm-hmm. defend multiple actions, even if it's the exact same one, like, it's you're probably going to get something that you want because there's going to be a breakdown. Like, I thought that was awesome. And that was just two smart players being like, nope, do it again. You know, that was great. Is does Kyle being in the starting lineup help you get to that more? I don't know. I I don't know either. Like because Jokic isn't on him in that situation. He's mm-hmm. on Gobert, and well, then he ends up being small forward, which you know it kind of changes everything. It complicates all the subs too, right? Like mm-hmm. like you don't now. It's like okay, now who do we take off and we put Nikhil in, and now one of our bigs, even Kyle, who's you know, he's had back problems himself and whatnot. Is and they've shown a willingness to bring him out there for long runs, but he's playing a long run mm-hmm. at that point. Like if you go all three bigs, like you're asking somebody to probably play twelve plus minutes. In I, a row. I is it as simple as like if you had Nas in this series, then you could start Kyle, and then once you start yeah. staggering Cat and Rudy, you do it with Nas. I I just I think you need to use Kyle to be the stagger, right? Um, Agreed. To you know of of Cat Moody because that just seems like a need in this. I think a lot of people will point to like, oh, Kyle has to start just in the general idea of like the best offense. Have I, actually, I looked this up, um, kind of related to to transition defense, and I'm like, all right, how do they play better transition defense? Like, there's tactical things, but also the best way is just to make shots. 
right? Like then if you Excellent make point. if you make shots, then you're not then you're not needing to run, you know, run back and transition. You're getting into the half court for the most part. And I looked it up of the the two man pairings that shot over 50% from the field this season for for the Wolves. Uh, that played over like 500 minutes, which is, you know, a lot of two-man pairings for this team. This is this is the list of of the, the pairings who did it. Anderson and Edwards, Anderson and McDaniels, Anderson and Gobert, Anderson and Russell, Nas and Jaden, and Anderson and Conley. They quite literally put the ball in the basket the most when, when Kyle Anderson is on the floor. And that's, you know, I, I actually hate when people just use field goal percentage and not distinguish two-point versus three-point. Right. But this is a situation where it kind of matters. Yes, the ball is going through the hoop. That's what matters. Because you're not playing transition defense there, too. So, yeah, back to the starting lineup point is, like, you want... I don't think you need to start Kyle to be able to play him 38 minutes in the game. Right. You you, you don't. Um, but you need to play Kyle Anderson 38 minutes in the game or as, as much as you possibly can because, one, he helps the offense. And and if he's helping the offense, that then helps the transition defense, which is just kind of the the crux of this series. The Wolves, it's just going to come down to what percentage of possessions can they play in in the half court defensively versus transition. And Denver knows that's the plan, and they're like every possible opportunity we can to not put them in the half court because the Wolves are solid in the half court. They're going to do so. That's you know that that's uh, that's a big part of. The, the chess mass chess match here, I think, is just finding ways to put the ball in the basket more. Um, and and I think there's other ways that could come to like we've seen with the Wolves. They've been all over the place in terms, you know, night to night, the effectiveness of their three point shooting. Like if Torian Prince can have a four for six three point shooting night, like some some of those sort of things, they just they need to run better offense that leads to better looks. So they're putting the ball in the basket more offense more often so they're not playing transition defense as much as possible. I think that's a more complicated thing to make happen from a rotation standpoint uh, than we might give Finch credit for, given how shorthanded uh, this team is. But it's just it's just one of those, these series, I think, where if you want to be really serious about competing in it, you just got to play the main guys a ton. You, you just You just have to. And and I don't know, maybe they'll run out of gas as they did against the Lakers. Hopefully with two days off, uh, there's a little bit more more gas in the tank there. But I'm not going deep into the bench if it's me. I mean, I don't think you can play J-Mac. You know, maybe Jalen Noel uh, a little bit more. But it's, he was atrocious defensively, too. It's like it's tough. It's I know. Yeah. You know, like seven. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's Jalen Noel six minutes and then otherwise you're rolling seven. You know, I mean. I'm fine with That's, that. And I know, like, I know that looks bad, but in every other game, like, the Stars are at least playing 40 minutes. So, like, if one person could play 40 minutes, why can't other people play 40 minutes? Like, it'll look bad if you have five guys playing 40 minutes. But what's the difference between having Anthony Edwards play 42 and not, and not, you know, not Nikhil, but that was just kind of the name that came yeah. to my mind. But anyway, like, you know, just play the guys. Play them. Play them. Like, you're supposed to, at this point in the season, you've, I know it might be harder in altitude, but you got to be conditioned to go, um, and that 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 should be kind of what you've been working up to, and maybe that's where you know, Ant not being a hundred percent, Carl coming back, um, Rudy's back, whatever, um, Mike Conley being thirty five, maybe that, maybe this all just kind of hits them hard in this spot. I, I think that's the thing, man. I think generally speaking, this isn't a this isn't a team that's good at running marathons, right? Like it just oh, half of it needing to do with size, but. I think just straight up, this is not one of the most fit teams right. in the league. Uh, if we ranked them, they'd be at the bottom. Yeah, they would be low, very low, at, at least to to my eye test. So we'll see. Uh, I think we're both though uh, aligned there and thinking that Finch needs to cut it down and and prioritize things because yeah, right after Conley and Anderson subbed out there, then it was like there was no Ant on the floor, there's no Towns on the floor, and there's no Conley on the floor, and it was like in the moment I'm like these last three minutes of the quarter are going to be atrocious. Right. They just, they just are. So they got to find, maybe that's the thing is, is finding different ways to like stagger it and find rotations, but having the main goal be like all our main guys are pay- playing high minutes in this. And maybe we catch lightning in a bottle from a Jalen Noel game uh, or, or something like that. And, and maybe that ends up helping, but not banking on that. 
Like I felt like they banked on Finch banked on needing to have an extra guy in J Mac or Noel have have a game. And those just aren't propositions that I think that this team can uh afford to to bet on here. Let's grab our uh let's grab our second break. We'll come back for a final segment. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app, and Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I feel like I'm stressed every time I'm wanting to buy tickets to a Twins game or a concert in town, and I'm stressed because I don't know if I'm getting a good deal or not. And with the Game Time app, I feel confident, even if it's last minute, that I've purchased my tickets at a fair rate, and that's because of their best price guarantee. So if you're looking for tickets to one of these final Wolves home games, check out the Game Time app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're good. And tickets are sent directly to your phone, so no need to dig through your emails. So snag tickets without stress with the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code DaneMore for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use the code DaneMore, all one word, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. All right, Jace, you got anything else uh, for a tweak uh, to game two? Maybe, maybe out there. I mean, I think we hit a lot of the main things. It'd be, it'd be like kind of out there one, like a Josh Minot in the rotation, or like I don't know something, or or something like crazy and you know, not starting Towns or Gobert, or really limiting one of like really limiting one of their their minutes. Is there is there anything else that I mean? out there or not out there that that you think of that is a, a tweak for game two? I do think it's got to be like, Rudy, where are you at health-wise? I think they need to have honest conversations. You are in the playoffs. You cannot go down 0-2. Like, you need to have a conversation with him of like, are you where you were for the Thunder game? Are you where you were for Sunday night? Because Sunday night's version, we're not saying we can't play. Uh, I'm saying we can't play a 30-plus minutes. And at that point, it maybe makes more sense to not start you. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think they need to have honest conversations like that. If he says, no, I promise you, I am good to go. These last two days have done wonders. I feel like where I was for OKC, like I've got. Which you would kind of uh, assume, right? That, But it's just it's a fickle thing, right? Like, yeah, I mean, right. you know, we can't just say like, well, two days off means he'll be good to go. And and frankly, also, like, I think you have to kind of put it through your head now. Like with Rudy, maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing to not even start him in this game because guess what? Everyone after this is travel day game, travel day game, travel day game. It's the rest of the way it's that. Um, So, well, not travel day in between games three and four, but it's just one day off. Um, So, you know, if he's not, if he's going to be at 70% for all of those games, maybe just rip the bandaid off now. I mean, I don't expect them to do that, but, but I think that is something that they should have legitimate conversations about because even at 70%, Rudy Gobert is playable. It's, very difficult um, when you know your best lineups probably are Kyle Cat uh, for this and and um, that, well that leads me to this is more conspiratorial but like are they just playing this series to like get reps with the Cat and Gobert thing and like try and prove a point that you know what they've said honestly throughout the year of like we need to have our best players on the floor at end of games. We we want to dictate who's doing all those sort of things. I mean, they've that is never done that. 
I, I, I know. It's never but, been the case. So pushing into shove. I, I mean, it's like, I don't know if, if I don't think game one is going to happen again. But if, no. if we get to like game three, and it just at least in a vacuum of this series, it becomes pretty obvious that the two big look is going to hurt you more often than it's going to help you. I'm going to be like, well, are you just doing this to prove a point? You know? Um, and, and, and we'll see, like I said, off the top, like I would lean more into Gobert. I, I, I think he could present you if he's healthy, you know, if healthy, yep. good, good things against Jokic. For sure. Um, but if there aren't a lot of these other tweaks or if they don't work and it's just a lot of the same, it's just going to be a little, it's going to be disappointing and it's going it's, to, it's going to feel to me like, yeah, they're, 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 they're trying to prove something here that it's not that it can't work like in a, maybe a different series or in the regular season, but I, I don't know. At some point you have to have a, a difficult conversation with yourself, if you're Finch or Conley about it, is this helping? Is this, is this helping right now or, or is it hurting? And, and if the answer you come to is it's hurting, then, then just don't do it to, to prove a point that that's just doubling down on, on, on a previous mistake. And that's overall big picture. You talk about the off season, all those sort of things. Like that's the scariest thing to me is double, continuing to double down on what was probably uh, initially uh, a mistake. So I know that's kind of all over the place there, mm-hmm. but um, I just, I don't want to see that. Yeah. I, I would say if they are committed to this and they're like, Nope, this is our path forward. We like this team moving forward in next year with Jaden. We like Rudy and cat. We still think it can work. Um, with more time and Cat's healthy and Rudy's healthy, whatever. I think then their hesitation would be, do we want to rock the boat with like a major lineup move in what they might already think in their mind is just a losing battle in this series? They might be like, we don't think we're going to win this series either way. Um, I mean, man, did Tim Conley's comments. Reeked of to that. The <laughs> yeah, totally. the shooter on availability reeked of that. Yeah. I mean, it was like, well, look, these we're not anywhere near where these guys are. You know, like all of that stuff. It, it basically said, like, we're not winning this series. I mean, hopefully, you know, it'd be fun to compete with these guys and stack ourselves up against one of the best teams. And Jokic is the best player. And mm-hmm. but I, I could see that being like, well, we're not going to make a major wholesale change here when we don't even think we can win anyway. Um, yeah. Let's 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 just ride this out, see what happens. And the Josh Minot thing, I would say, if you're down, like, I'm not for it because I do think if- I, I am more on your like. Kyle and Britt are very much in the throw them out there in this series when I've talked to them. I, I am more not my not. Yeah, and and I, here's what I would say. I mean, generally, like we always say with players in garbage time, it's been good, all this. I don't disagree with that. Um, but at some point, you kind of got to trust the coaching staff of like, they're throwing a lot of stuff at the wall here. And if they're not trying mine out at this point, I mean, they see him every day in practice. Yeah. Like they know how he looks in their, you know, in their squad scrimmages and whatnot and drills. And so I would just, just tend to lead towards the coaches there. Cause it's not like they're not trying different things. That's just something they don't want to try. Mm-hmm. I would say if you're down like 15 in the third quarter, late third against Denver and starters are coming out tomorrow night, then you might be like, you know what? We're going to get, yeah, we're getting true. smoked here. Let's go ahead and just see if we can, if Josh Minot can come out and make three energy plays. Now we're only down nine at the end of three. I, I, I actually, I completely agree with that, which is not like ruling him out for, right. for the series. It's, it's the break glass in case of emergency right. or break glass in case of a specific situation type thing. Uh, rewinding back a little bit to, to the overall like big picture thing. Um, I mean, I think a lot of, Conley's what in, in his comments, what is behind that is the idea that Nas and Jaden is out. And and maybe, you know, there is a belief, and I think I would agree with this too, that playing Cat and Gobert together in this series will make a hell of a lot more sense if you had both Nas and Jaden. Sure. But but that's what I'm talking about. It's it is an isolated one series situation, and the personnel you have is the personnel that you have. And to me, I think we're getting close to a point where given the personnel that they have that playing both of them at the same time is might not be uh, a a good option. So I I think like that would be, I think you can, you can not play those two together as much as, as you did last game while also holding on to the idea that it could work next season when you have a different roster around it, it doesn't, and it will in the media be, if they did it, it would be viewed as a big condemnation of the the entire trade and all that. But what's more important, that noise or competing? 
right. you know, com- competing in the series. And the whole idea of making this trade in my mind was like you're trying to set a floor so that you know Anthony Edwards and Jane McDaniels. And obviously that's not happening here, but mm-hmm. that they are getting in more and more postseason reps. They're making sure you're getting back here and they're getting these experiences and they're growing. So if you're not taking it as competitive as you can, then that is kind of wasting those experiences. I and, agree and, and wouldn't Ant's experience be better if he played less with Gobert? Yeah. Couldn't you do like a, you could just save face too in like a 930 sub out, you know, like two and a half minutes. All right, Kyle's in there. Yeah. You know, like just make it really short and then you don't even have to deal with the ego and whatnot of, of all of right. that. Just trim it way down. I know it's going to look weird, but I don't think anything, anybody would think too much of it. It, it. it just, again, if that's what they think and they're smarter than we are, if they think ultimately our best offense is going to come, you know, without Rudy on the floor, then yeah, you can make. You can make adjustments there, even with the the limited personnel. Um, I, I'm just, I guess that's what I'm saying. Overall, big picture is how much does it feel like from a rotation standpoint, a matchup standpoint, whatever, that they're trying to make Rudy happen versus trying to make winning happen. Yeah. Um. And and it's easy to sit here talk about it like we are right now after you just lost by 29 points doing that. Um. I'll be interested to see where I'm at in my head about it after game two. Right. Right. And as, as we move along in the series and then, you know, in correspondence, see what adjustments they, they continue to make. But that's where I'm with you that I think a game two, you can make simple adjustments. You can, you're like, okay, we really got to focus on getting back. I want, we're going to work on that. Like, I know it's been a problem all year, but put a bunch of emphasis on it. You saw how much they were running against us. Okay. Carl, we're not going to do too much of you up top or down in the post, and we're going to get you in different situations. Maybe we're going to run more Gobert, even Conley pick and rolls. You can make those simple fixes and see how it shapes up. But if it comes out as a carbon copy and you lost by 18 points um, and it wasn't that competitive throughout, then that is when like these conversations for like a game three is like, are you really going to do this again and just yeah. hope the home crowd shifts it for you? I mean, because that that to me would be insane. Yeah. I, I, like, I like the way you put that. I, I think that I think that's right. I, and I mean, there just is a lot on the line in game two in terms of making this series somewhat competitive for, if nothing else, the purpose of learning, right? Or the purpose of experience uh, for Ant. Where uh, it just prediction wise, like where, where are you at uh, in this game? If it, I know this Wolves team is one of the hardest to, to guess about, but uh what do, what do you think we see in game two? Yeah, I, didn't, I mean, I would be like surprised. I mean, I would be surprised, but I wouldn't be like, oh my God, if they won, you know, um, because they have enough talent all the time. Like I always say this, like when you have Ant who can sometimes rise to the level of like a top five NBA player when he is playing his best on both ends of the court and you've got Cat who, you know, can go seven for nine from three without blinking, like you can beat anybody. Um, I do think Denver will win. I think Minnesota will be more competitive. Um, I would say like, Denver by like seven or eight. Frankly, just like the way they're matching up right now, it just it's hard for me to map out a sustained Timberwolves success in this series. Like Denver, you've got to get them by by you know putting Jokic in pick and rolls on defense, and then like you've got to take advantage of their bench time. But their bench sure looks a lot better than Minnesota's bench, given yeah. Minnesota's injuries. Like it's tough. It's tough. Anthony Edwards, I think, really has to get going. I think that should be a focal point for them. That'll probably be what I write about for tomorrow after practice today. Like. Because I do think if he doesn't get rolling, then this is all moot. Mm-hmm. Yes, that that's a that's the point, right? Um, I, I I think I wouldn't be surprised to see the Wolves play significantly better offense and and that get that ant energy, the the playoff type of performance. And I think if you were playing a lesser opponent, to me, I'd be like, if I know I we're getting that from Ant, then I think the the Wolves are going to win. I I think. I go another layer with this and I go, even if Ant is playing great like that, Denver has additional infantry beyond, you know, Jokic that Ant can be going off and simultaneously Michael Porter Jr. can be five for eight from three or Jamal Murray can be having a game where he's hitting a bunch of tough shots. KCP goes three for three from the corner, you know, some some of those sort of things. This team just has more offensive firepower. And I, I believe that even more now, having watched game one, that it's like, it's not only that the Wolves kind of need to play their best game, which I think they're capable of doing, despite how bad game one was, but it, Denver also needs to kind of have a bad game too for, for the Wolves to be able to win that. Both of those things do happen. I agree with you because I know the Wolves didn't shoot well. Denver also didn't shoot well in the first half. And I know they picked it up and separated, but 
So in my head, I was like, okay, when both teams don't shoot well, Denver is up by 11 points. <laughs> you know, like to me, that it, it kind of was like, that's where we're at, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm with you though. The Wolves need to play well. And they need to shoot well. Denver needs to not have a good night, I think. It, it's, it, I mean, it's it's kind of what I think we said, you know, going into the series is there's uh if you check these six boxes, there's a way that the the Wolves can win a game or even the series. You know, if they did that every single game, I just feel like now after game one, there's more boxes that I feel like Denver uh, that I did before game one uh, can can simultaneously press. But, you know, man, I'm I wouldn't be shocked to be completely wrong <laughs> off of everything I said here, because that's been so much of the nature of, of this Wolves season. It is far and away been the hardest team uh, to be able to predict that, you know, we've ever covered here uh, from a Wolves standpoint. And I just, <laughs> I, I don't know what to know going, going into, uh, you know, going into game two or for, for the rest of the series. I think it just comes down to a respect for Denver thing of like, I think Minnesota can play much better. They can be a much closer version of, to their like peaks uh, as they were throughout the year where that was more of a Valley on Sunday. But it is one thing where even if you peak so many times, like you're probably peaking to create more coin flips with Denver. Um, you know, you have to play your best basketball to you know give yourself a 50% chance. And now you're hoping you come out on the right side of the coin four times in six games. Like, and that's if you play really well. It's not like if the Wolves play really well, they'll win. It's like if the Wolves play really well, they'll give themselves a chance to win. Mm-hmm. And that's just how good Denver is. I, I think that's a good way to to wrap it up. Uh, you guys can uh, read Jace uh, over at the Pioneer Press. Follow him on Twitter at uh, Jace Frederick. I will have another episode for you on uh, what is today's Tuesday. So on, on Wednesday morning that will come out, uh, we'll get some sound from, from Wolves practice uh, Tuesday afternoon. I'll, I'll plug some of that in. And then I am going to uh, record with John Krasinski and the DNVR sports crew. So as I've done before with the pod, we'll kind of get the perspective from the opponent, the, the other uh, side of the media there too. So look for that on uh, on Wednesday morning. Then we will have the, the game on Wednesday night and we'll we'll flow from there. Uh, for Jace, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.